You're listening to Comedy Central. March 5th, 2018. From Comedy Central's World News Headquarters in New York, this is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. guest tonight here to talk about his new Netflix show world famous chef David Chang is here but first but first up uh, did you guys watch the Oscars yeah you did well if you didn't you missed out uh, a Mexican one for directing uh, a fish one best picture and my favorite moment of the night Jordan Peele became the first black person to win the Oscar for best original screenplay Congratulations, Jordan. Big congrats to my man for making history. But I have to admit, uh, I'm a little bit upset that he beat me to it because uh, I totally wrote a brilliant script for a sequel to How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. Yeah, it's called How to Lose a Guy in 9 Days. Way more efficient. But nobody liked it. But one of the biggest moments of the night actually happened after the ceremony was over. And we also have some breaking news to pass along to you. Frances McDormand reportedly had her Oscar temporarily stolen last night. It happened at the governor's ball. This right here is the suspect, Terry Bryan. The New York Times is reporting that this guy grabbed the statue and ran out. You know, when we said we wanted black people to get more Oscars, (laughs) this is not what we had in mind. But I'm glad. I'm glad that Frances McDormand got her Oscar back because you know if she didn't, today there would have been three billboards up in Hollywood Boulevard (laughs) looking for it. So I'm glad and congratulations. But let's move on from Oscar gold to American steel. Last week, President Trump won the award for best original way to destroy an economy. Today, Washington made Wall Street blink hard. Stocks tanked after the president said he plans to impose steep tariffs of 25% on steel imports and 10% on aluminum across the board. What's been allowed to go on for decades is disgraceful. It's disgraceful. And when it comes to a time when our country can't make aluminum and steel, and somebody said it before, and I will tell you, you almost don't have much of a country. Because without steel and aluminum, your country's not the same. You know, you know what I love about Donald Trump is he says crazy shit and he's already put himself in a straitjacket. That's right. Without steel, you can't have a country. Ah! You can't have a country. Ah! But that's right. Donald Trump wants a tariff on steel and aluminum. I say aluminum, but I'll say aluminum for you. (laughs) Which is more terrible news for Alex Jones. Yeah, first they pulled his YouTube ads, and now all his hats just got more expensive. (laughs) Now, unsurprisingly, a lot of people were against Trump's idea to impose tariffs on every nation in the world. But the strongest opposition came from within the president's own party. 
House Speaker Paul Ryan's spokeswoman releasing the following statement warning against the move, saying in a statement, quote, we are extremely worried about the consequences of a trade war and are urging the White House to not advance with the plan. It's going to turn around and bite American citizens with much higher taxes, much higher, much higher costs. It's only going to hurt American consumers and our allies. Please reconsider your solution. Trump has really worn Lindsey Graham down. <laughs> yeah, the presidency has basically turned him into America's most tired babysitter. It's just like... Now crayons on the furniture, please consider your position. And by the way, am I the only person who still thinks it's weird that lawmakers have to go on TV just so they can speak directly to their president? It's like, thank you for having me on, Wolf. Now listen, Mr. President, please don't impose the tariffs. Like, it's only a matter of time before lobbyists start planting their agendas inside Happy Meals, because they know Trump will find it. Oh boy, it's Coco, the deregulating panda. But I'm not surprised that they're pulling out all the stops to try and sway Trump. Because you see, economists have warned that starting a trade war could increase the cost of living for Americans across the board. Although, according to Wilbur Ross, Commerce Secretary and Living Werther's original, the impact won't be so bad. What I would like to do, though, is to emphasize again the limited impact. In the can of Campbell's soup, there's about 26 cents, 2.6 pennies worth of steel. So if that goes up by 25%, that's about six tenths of one cent on the price of a can of Campbell's soup. Well, I just bought this can today at a 7-Eleven down here, and the price was $1.99. So who in the world is going to be too bothered by six tenths of a cent? He's so cute. Like you can't even hear what he's saying. Old, old, those are just like a white Ben Carson over here, you know? Yeah, can you imagine him and Ben Carson having a conversation together? Would last forever. Be like, have I told you about my soup cans? And Ben would be like, the best can of all is the human skull. <laughs> now, now, Commerce Secretary Soup Dog might be right that one individual can of soup won't go up a huge amount. But the problem is that when America imposes a tariff like this, other countries could retaliate, and then things escalate. The international community is responding to President Trump's desired tariffs on steel and aluminum imports. Officials from the European Union vowed to impose taxes on U.S. goods, including Harley-Davidson motorcycles, bourbon whiskey, and Levi's jeans. In turn, President Trump threatened to tax European cars. If the EU wants to further increase their already massive tariffs, he'll add a tax on their cars. You see, it started at steel and aluminum, and now we're up to whiskey and jeans. And honestly, I think the European Union is going about this the wrong way. You're not hurting Trump by threatening Jim Bean and Levi's. All right, Trump has never touched alcohol, and he doesn't exactly have what we call jeans ass, okay? (laughs) And so now, you'd think... Trump getting all these bad Yelp reviews on his tariff idea would make him think twice. But joke's on you, he doesn't think once. President Trump is doubling down on those tariff proposals. Yesterday, he tweeted that trade wars are good and easy to win. The truth is, trade wars aren't easy to win. In fact, already a study has shown that even before a trade war, Trump's tariffs by themselves could cost Americans 146,000 jobs. Yeah, and don't forget, the past two presidents tried this type of thing and it didn't work. 
George W. Bush tried steel tariffs too, and studies show that they cost America far more jobs than they saved. And President Obama put tariffs on tires, but they ended up costing Americans thousands of jobs and nearly a billion dollars. Yeah, a billion dollars on tires. I mean, I know us black guys like spending money on wheels, but goddamn. <laughs> now, although Trump's solution may be extreme, that doesn't mean that he's wrong about the underlying issue. Because the truth is, China is dumping steel into the U.S., and it is hurting American steel companies. So Trump is right about the problem, but his solution will cause even bigger problems. Right? He's like a doctor who's great at the diagnosis, terrible at the cure. And it's just like, you have skin cancer, so I'm gonna chop off your dick. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> but like it or not, Trump is the doctor America chose. So it's ultimately his call. So even if it's bad policy, America could be headed for a trade war. Which, to be honest, of all the wars we thought Trump could get us into, I mean, nuclear war, uh, race war, a trade war is like the least bad option. We'll be right back. to The Daily Show. My guest tonight is a world-renowned chef and founder of the Momofuku restaurant group. He has a new documentary series on Netflix called Ugly Delicious. David Chang. (laughs) Welcome, sir. Excited to be here. Welcome to the show. Glad that you're here. Disappointed you didn't bring any fried chicken with you. Uh, I'm addicted to a lot of your food, and so many other people are. Uh, This Netflix series has started off with a bang. People are loving it. Why the title? Ugly Delicious. Well, as you saw in that clip, I grew up eating really well. My mom cooked a lot of Korean things, and growing up in Northern Virginia, it wasn't that cool. In fact, I was like the butt of many jokes. So when I started cooking professionally, those were the foods that I never wanted to touch because I was ashamed of it, or I just oh, wow. didn't want to like embrace it. And that sort of enca- encapsulates a lot of the foods that I think are truly delicious, but may not, may not be cool or is, uh, looks good on a photograph sometimes. Right, right, you know? right. Like a curry is a perfect example. A bowl of curry is so good, but isn't something that's going to be on the cover of a magazine. And for you growing up, your food was a part of your culture, but it was also something that people used to tease you about. Do you think that that's that's a big part of food, is the cultural identity that comes with it? Absolutely, because we're at a, a, not a crossroads, but food is more popular than ever before, and it sort of intersects so many different parts of culture throughout the world. So in so many ways, you know, creating the show with Morgan Neville and Eddie Schmidt, we decided that food could be sort of a Trojan horse to talk about many of the great things in culture and many of the bad things in culture. Right, like, for instance, with um, Chinese food. Uh, there's an episode where you delve into Chinese food, and it feels like it's less about the Chinese food itself and about how uh, Chinese people in America have had to assimilate and what, what that means and how the food has had to assimilate in many ways to fit in with American culture. What, like, what did you learn in that experience when looking at Chinese food on its own in America? I mean, it goes all the way back to when they came to work on the railroads and how they were marginalized way back then in the 1890s or so. And without getting too much in the history, I feel like as delicious as Chinese food is, and it's like the most prevalent kind of food throughout the world, it right. seems, uh, it's never been seen as, like, as cool as other European cuisines. Right. And quite frankly, I think that there's been a lot of sort of hidden racism in how people perceive not just Chinese food, like basically anything that's like different than the mainstream America, right? You see that with MSG or how people see like cheap meats in Asian restaurants, right. Chinese yeah. restaurants. And a lot of that's not true, right? They're just, um, 
you know, not even misperceptions, they're just wrong, right? It's interesting that you bring up racism with regards to food because those are stereotypes that you see, you know, rearing their ugly heads all over the world. You know, people go, oh, watermelon, black people, and and chicken, black people, and they'll be like, oh, you eat this type of food if you're Asian, and you, you eat this. There are certain ideas that come from food. There are certain stories that are told by the food. There's an episode where you talk about fried chicken. And what I loved is in the story, you know, you're out in the South. You're meeting with people who cook fried chicken, white people who make fried chicken. Did you find that it was interesting to speak to people about where the chicken came from, how it came to be popularized, and how they saw the story as it related to the food? Absolutely. And I think first and foremost about fried chicken, it's a story that, you know, a lot of people don't know about. Everyone, I think, that eats chicken will find it to be, a fried chicken to be delicious. Right. Again, the world over almost. But... The story of how it was born out of oppression and slavery, for right. the most part, the, the fried chicken that we all most are commonly associate with, that's a really tough story to tell, right? And if we can't talk about fried chicken, how are we supposed to talk about other things that are problematic? Right, right, right. So, um, and going back to the, so the, the popularity of fried chicken shops, there's a scene where I'm talking to my friends, really, and um, questioning them, the same questions I'd ask, answer myself. And the reality is, it's like, it's a, it's a responsibility that I think today in 2018 that we should know more about and we should talk about. And it's, uh, it's not easy to talk about. Right. I mean, I, I think you have to watch the episode because I think we're not trying to answer anything. We're just trying to start the conversation about right. that because it's just too dense of a topic. Do you, do you feel like that's something people could do, like at restaurants, like the waiter should have to tell you about the history of the food when they give it to you? So you should be like, what are you going to have? I'll have the fried chicken. Let me tell you about slavery and oppression. <laughs> Like, this chicken over here comes from a long history of people being oppressed, and you're like, mm, I'm going to go with the rice. Can I go with the rice? No, it's, it's not about that. I mean, certainly it could be, but we live in a world where there's so much information at your fingertips. Like, why not go down that rabbit hole right. just a little bit? And, you know, there's a scene in, in that fried chicken episode where it's not about fried chicken, where I say to David Simon, great director of The Wire, where I'm like, hey, I would have a problem if someone that's not Korean starts making kimchi. Right. And he sort of smacks me down being like, you're an idiot, right? Like, America is about cultural appropriation when it's done, like, very well, if right. that makes any sense. And I, I thought about that, and I was like, man, he's absolutely right in the sense that the only way I'm going to get this person that's making kimchi to appreciate kimchi is to let them go down the rabbit hole. Right, right, and, right. And maybe they're going to be the biggest advocate of it. But if I'm there judging them, saying, like, you can't do this, right. why, then I'm not making any progress there. So I feel the same way about fried chicken, and I think that I could have been that, that fried chicken shop down in Nashville because I love hot fried chicken so much. Of right. course, the first thing you want to do is pay homage, but we, it's a problem sometimes, right? It's a, what happens if you start killing the very thing that inspired you? Right, that's really interesting, and that's, I think, what the show does. It asks questions, it starts conversations, and most importantly, it makes me hungry as <laughs> shit. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks, Trevor. Amazing to have you here. Delicious is available on Netflix now. David Chang, everybody. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.